Welcome to Beyond the Shelf. I'm Scott Curry with Chef's Best. We gather to talk about the trends in marketing, retail, and production in food and beverage that are shaping the industry. We are joined today by John Stefanian. John is Vice President, Global Culinary and Innovation at ADM. We're all familiar with ADM, a global leader unlocking the power of nature to provide access to nutrition worldwide, from seed to processing, and of course, as a partner some of the world's leading consumer brands. Prior to joining ADM, John was culinary manager of research and development and international operations at CSSI Marketing, a food service marketing agency. He was also executive chef of the culinary department at Midas Foods International, and of course was in the kitchen as far away as Marbella, Spain, and beyond. He holds several licenses and certifications, including the Research Chefs Association and the American Culinary Federation. He's also a member of ADM's Culinary Advisory Panel, a global panel of culinary professionals responsible for identifying, anticipating, and helping to serve evolving consumer tastes and preferences. Not surprisingly, he holds a passion for global cuisine. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. We're very excited to have you on here. You have uh, such a, a high level strategic view of uh, where food and beverage is and where it's heading. Uh, so we really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, first, tell us a little bit about your role at ADM and how you came into that role. Sure. So uh, like you mentioned, I'm the Vice President of Global Culinary and Innovation. And as ADM looks to expand our culinary footprint globally, uh, we're adding chefs and talent all over the world. We have offices in many, many different regions, and um, we needed kind of a home base to kind of uh, have those chefs report back into somewhere that can help um, on the innovation side and keeping that culinary integrity top of mind. It's great to pull in the different culinary experts from these different regions and leverage some of the insights and trends that they're seeing on, on the ground. And uh, from there, we take those insights and trends and, and put them into different types of applications and, and food products. So uh, it's really exciting being passionate about food and being able to work with a really strong global team. Yeah, per- perfect marriage for someone that said has that uh, passion for food, uh, but can apply yeah. it in, in, a, in a way that, that literally has a global reach. It's, it's a pretty rare opportunity for someone with your, your background and expertise. Uh, speaking of that expertise, so, so ADM recently published a report on the top five mm-hmm. global trends that will shape the food industry. And before we dive into those five trends, uh, what are what are some of the behavioral and societal changes that are leading to these trends, which, like most things in this world, begin and end with our kind of shared COVID experience? Uh, what, what, how how has mm-hmm. COVID shaken the industry? Uh, and then we'll we'll move into delving into each one of those trends a little bit. But um, I think we're all experiencing it on our own personal levels. But you know, there's entire industries that are monitoring what's going on as well. So, what are some of those behavioral and societal changes that you've seen? Yeah, you know, this is uh, a unique year for trends, especially in the food space. And typically, as we're getting close to the end of the year, we're talking about, oh, you know, what's going to be the next fun ingredient or sumac is really trending this year, something along those lines. But this year, a lot of it is very different. And like you mentioned, kind of dictated with what's going on in the world. Uh, And there's some pros and cons that, you know, are coming out of that. I think, One thing that I've really noticed and some of our research kind of showed us is that 
uh, these consumer behavior shifts this year are deeply rooted um, in the effects of the ongoing pandemic, and uh, consumers are have a much more heightened focus on health and wellness, uh, which in turn accelerates the demand for products that could meet these needs. So um, I think people are just more conscientious of their immune systems and weight and things like that. So um, because of the pandemic, a, a lot of what we're seeing on the food side of trends uh, is being impacted. Yeah, it's it's almost... You know, fuck. This is really hard to say, but if there's a rosy picture here that could that could come out of this, which is, uh, I, I say that with apologies to anyone that's suffering from the disease, uh, it's that we may finally be paying attention more to what we're putting in our bodies. I, I think you started to touch there on one of the trends, which is a more proactive approach to nourishing the body and mind. Uh, so, so building off, maybe what we can do is discuss each of one of these trends and, and allow you to first set up the context of what it was like prior to. So back in that lovely year of 2019, uh, where we mm-hmm. stood on this, uh, and then where we stand on it now. Uh, so a more proactive approach to nourishing the body and mind. Uh, what, what, what did your, your research unearth, uh, regarding that? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, consumers are are now kind of making these increasingly educated and and mindful decisions towards food and beverages uh, that help promote physical, mental, and emotional wellness. And you know, in the past, uh, these these have always been important, but uh, in day to day eating, you know, it wasn't as common. So we've seen a huge increase there. Um, people just kind of want more from their food. Um, which, uh, you know, as a chef, that's something that I've always kind of lived by, but for the everyday consumer to be kind of thinking that way, that's, that's pretty unique. We found that uh, 46% of global consumers said they were willing to pay more for products that have superior function or some sort of performance benefit. So again, people are just really conscientious of what they're putting into their bodies right now. And another kind of unique spin on this trend is that consumers are also turning to indulgences that cater to emotional health management. So uh, we like to call that kind of permissible indulgences. Yeah. And, you know, the example I continue to use is when I'm when I have been feeling down or, you know, low and and wanted something that was kind of comforting, I would always go to my grandmother's house and have one of her, you know, meals that she typically prepares. So, um, you know, a different way to kind of look at nourishing the body, but in a more uh, mental state type of capacity, if that makes sense. It, it, it does. I, I am still eating ice cream, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> there's a little bit of both, but it's been interesting. And that's in our, okay. Yeah, right. Right, right. It's been interesting in our household because we're, we're we're almost eating more, uh, yet by eliminating, uh, which I would say unintentionally, if you will, um, mm-hmm. some of the eating out. You know, uh, I, I personally am not, you know, taking down the 1500 calorie carne asada burrito right? just because we're home more, we're eating, eating home, home more. What do you see if we were to look out uh, as best we can over the next 
mm-hmm. I guess, year or two and maybe even five years out. How does this translate into a, a different experience? Uh, we have already seen a lot of restaurants and I would say the most notable being fast food restaurants because I, I would guess they were maybe right. later to the party offering more healthy options. Um, but when it comes to eating out or, or at the grocery store, are there, are there going to be more vitamin infused or fortified uh, items that sure. are out there? Uh, we know that natural or, or inorganic products have been on the uptrend anyways. Uh, I think that's probably something that's just going to continue. I know vitamin sales I've heard mm-hmm. are up as well. Uh, but w- what does it potentially look like? And, and I can't help but to also ask that question with, with a, a little caveat in there is, will we actually just go back to not caring or, or caring less or less of the population caring about nutrition once, I don't know, we're all vaccinated, whatever whatever the heck it looks like. Is this something that's going to be permanent or are we going to regress, if you will? You know, I'd like to think that it could be permanent to some extent. Uh, People who weren't looking at these types of things in their day-to-day eating habits are, are now super aware. And I think I mentioned it earlier, these consumers are becoming smarter, just more educated on, you know, what, what they need for them to feel good. And in addition to that, I think we're seeing because of the pandemic, um, their, their portion sizing and formats uh, are changing. Um, the eating occasions throughout the day are changing. So you're no longer, you know, running to a fast food chain on your lunch break, maybe you're at home and snacking throughout the day and you have a little bit more control, I would say, Mm. um, in that, in that instance. And then, you know, I'm personally seeing a lot of, um, these kind of, we looked at superfoods as a big trend over the last couple of years, but you mentioned vitamins and nutrients and things like that. A lot of these vitamins and nutrients when they're paired with other vitamins and nutrients have, a much different effect and impact in a positive way. And, uh, you know, as time goes on and years go on and we become more educated in that space, I think we're kind of creating these natural foods that naturally kind of play in that arena, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, turmeric is a great example. It was trending for a long time. Uh, Most consumers didn't realize that you needed to pair turmeric with uh, citrus or black pepper to really kind of um, take full advantage of some of those anti-inflammatory properties. So things like that, I think we're starting to look at and uncover in both food and beverage. It's a, it's a, it's a long path to an entire you know, nation yeah. and globe eating healthy, but uh, education, a great place to start. And uh, at the very least, we're bringing attention mm-hmm. to it. Uh, another trend that you uh, acknowledged and, and I think was a trend that uh, was on the uptick anyways with sustainability taking center stage. Yeah. I, know, I know that, you know, age has been a, a significant driver with this, with millennials bringing a more conscious approach to all of their, their spending habits. But mm-hmm. tell us what you uh, uncovered there about sustainability, where it was, uh, you know, in the past few years, where you see it now and where you think that's going. Yeah, so obviously this is, it's not a a new trend per se, but the impact that sustainability is having right now, I think is very different. And and like we said, sustainability is kind of taking center stage. Um, A few years ago, if you said there would be 
a ban on plastic straws, you know, people would <laughs> think you're crazy. And now it's, it's, <laughs> it's mm -hmm. something that a lot of consumers are, are aware of and, um, you know, are, are aware of their impact on the environment and things like that. And these consumers are also really drawn to brands that have similar values to their own. So I, I think that's, you know, an important takeaway here. Um, and again, I, 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 in my everyday life as a chef, I feel the same way. And whether that's subconscious or not, I've always kind of gravitated towards um, the local farmers or the, the farmer from my farmer's market that, you know, is harvesting his own uh, produce, things like that. So I think um, now it's just easier to encounter those types of brands and products and, uh, and food items. Mm -hmm. And how, not sure if you have uh, the position to be able to, to fully build it, to speak to this, but I can't help but ask mm -hmm. how, how ADM will play a role in this. The view being it's really hard to feed people, right? Um, I think it's something mm -hmm. we take for granted. The fact that I can walk about a quarter mile right now and go buy a tomato for 35 cents is to me, one of the wonders of society that does not get enough credit. It's just, it, we take right. it for granted. Right. Um, you know, if you look at any city and just domestically, you know, New York, whatever is 13 million Metro people, Chicago and so on. That's a lot of people that have to be fed. Um, yeah. How do we, uh, how, how, what are the plans I would say around, I don't mean a pun here, so, but I'm going to roll through it. <laughs> Feeding the appetite <laughs> sure. for, for sustainability uh, while also tackling the challenge of feeding 350 million people. ADM is involved in feeding really billions. Uh, when we look at it, mm -hmm. how, does, how does that all get, get squared where we can, you know, we can't all have a garden down the street right? Um, you certainly right. Can, can't feed Manhattan with just purely sustainable, you know, local produce. Um, how mm -hmm. do you see, uh, you know, particularly the, the, the companies like ADM that are, you know, so large and responsible and critical to the, to the global food supply, said feeding the appetite, if you will, for, for sustainability moving forward? Yeah, so so we, you know, being the size that we are, um, we have a long-standing vertically integrated supply chain, and you know, have that direct connection with the farm and the farmers with a lot of our products, which is great. So we can help kind of, um, you know, dictate that in that sense. And um, you know, what we're doing as a company, we're also. Uh, on the front end of exploring clean labeling and mm. reusable packaging and supply chain transparency, things like that. So, you know, everyone kind of has to do their part uh, to be successful and to get to the place where we need to be. Um, but like I mentioned, I mean, it's starting, sustainability is starting to take center stage and uh, uh, the more awareness around that, I think the better. Right. Uh, your next trend is around the gut microbiome and emerges as it, it's emerging as mm -hmm. a gateway to wellness. We've spoken with uh, a, a few guests here. We're very fortunate um, to learn more about that. Uh, many of whom have started, you know, their own companies uh, out of personal necessity, if you will, of, of experimenting at home uh, to overcome you know, various fatigue syndromes and, and stuff like that. Right. Um, 
so tell us where that stands. And, and, in, and in your response, I'd love to hear how we gain a mutual understanding. Uh, I, I, I say that in suggesting it, it's, it's a science. It's gut, bio, gut microbiome is certainly a science. Yet I would wager that I could ask five people on the street right now and get a little bit different answer. I could probably talk to a few nutritionists and, and get a little bit different answer as well. How do we come to it? So yep. one question is about the trend and the other is how do we come to a, a collective understanding um, of something that is, I think, so maybe nascent in its research that I, for one, you know, being, I think, a little bit more attuned than, than maybe an average person and having interviewed some experts, some that have become mm-hmm. experts through their own experimentation, I still don't really know, you know, w- w- what I should do or who should do what on that. Right. So, so uh, right. if you could address that a little bit in your answer, please. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, gut microbiome is unique in the sense that it's different for everyone. And, um, you know, it's hard to just kind of bucket it as this end all be all type product, right? I think uh, what I found interesting about the trend report that we pulled is that um, 59% of US consumers are using some sort of functional food right now, 51% are using functional beverages, and then 57 are using uh, some sort of supplement. So people know that they need to, to, to look at these types of products to um, help with you know, their gut and microbiome, right? Um, it's funny because that is, this might sound ridiculous, but where you eat, drink, whatever you know, you're looking to do, it all ends up in your gut, right? So, you know, I look back at things like Greek yogurt over the years and how that kind of trended and um, other types of products that are similar. And kombucha was another good example. And, you know, you're right. A lot of people didn't really understand what they need or what it was doing, but, you know, it's making people kind of feel better, better. Right. So luckily we have a, a really great team of experts who are focused in this space to um, look at ways to uh, support the immune system, address weight management, and even potentially influence emotional well-being all through the gut. Um, so what we're doing is is creating products using some of those ingredients that kind of support that and help that, which uh, again is is super unique and and super exciting um, because some of these ingredients are ingredients that we've used forever and um, as chefs we're we're very familiar and comfortable with and then others are really unique and and new and let us kind of get creative and and come up with some really really great tasting products around them so the next trend fourth in no particular order is is i think one that we that you want to talk about something that that really just came onto <laughs> yeah. the stage uh and and just uh you know you went from i'd say almost no products to just a wide variety of products is plant-based food uh boom expanding to beyond the bun uh i i take mm-hmm. it as within the bun means hamburger right uh i right. think was where, right. where it started um so where, where do you th- see things going there 
Yeah. Yo, so again, you know, looking back a year or two, uh, plant-based burgers within the bun or plant-based products within the bun were, were still very new and people were, um, you know, just starting to kind of explore that space. And I, I think uh, companies like ADM have done a really good job of not only making great tasting products, but um, you know, consumers are, are comfortable with the idea now. It, at first, it was something that people were excited to try. It was somewhat novelty. And, and now it's, it's a staple in everyone's pantry and home. Um, so with that, I think as consumers become more comfortable with products like this, there is a need to kind of scratch that itch in other types of cuisines, products, what have you. So um, we're seeing a ton of requests and interests in things like plant-based turkey, plant-based shellfish, which, you know, I, that's not something you could have predicted a few years ago. And, and to work on products like that is very, very exciting. Um, we recently did some really amazing tasting plant-based uh, chowders, clam chowders and, mm. and shellfish type chowders. So, um, you know, I seafood's one of my favorite foods, and to be able to see a product like this perform well, taste great, uh, you know, and be in the front end of that is is exciting. So, um, lots lots happening beyond the bun. Yeah, are, are there any? What should our expectations be around? You know, adopting plant based foods. Is it? Is it? You you said it was kind of a novelty, which. Is completely understood. A small percentage of the population, particularly you know vegetarians or, or vegans or what have you, um, and now it's expanded beyond that. Uh, do, do you foresee a point that plant-based foods, uh, particularly as you said, ones that you just couldn't imagine? I mean, plant-based shrimp is is it's mm -hmm. almost difficult to wrap your head around um right. where it, there's almost a full adoption at, at 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 you know all socioeconomic layers uh and and just you know complete width as well um do, do you think that it'll get there and is this something that we should expect in two years five yeah. years or do we just need to be a little bit more realistic that it may be 30 40 years and, and all sorts of market-driven forces and and education and and people aging up mm -hmm. and becoming consumers would, would require it to go that wide. No, I, I, I think it's here. I think it's here to stay. And I think every day more and more consumers uh, explore these types of products. Um, you see all of the national chain restaurants starting to launch products in this space and then looking to expand again, beyond the bun, um, you know, meat, Red meat specifically is very expensive and, um, you know, products like this not only are, have the nutritional value, but, um, could be more affordable in certain places mm -hmm. around the globe, like you mentioned. So mm -hmm. I, I think it's here, I think it's going to continue to grow and, um, you know, what we're doing as far as taste and texture and things like that go, it's unbelievable. It's, it truly is groundbreaking and, it, and it, it's very exciting uh, to be a part of. I've come a long way since the, since the original veggie burgers. Yeah. Uh, so sure have. We, 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 we've spoken about health. We've spoken about sustainability. Mm -hmm. uh, there are threads that weave those together. Um, I think the, your, your fifth trend that you identified, uh, 
perhaps as a gateway to achieving, you know, the other four in terms of uh, how companies do so, which is transparency, building consumer trust. What are people looking for? This one I really, I think is, is uh, one of the most interesting trends. Trust right now is uh, at the top of everyone's mind with what's going on in the world on in the world. And, um, you know, you want that transparency as a consumer uh, to build that consumer trust. I am very hesitant to just grab anything off the shelf. Um, I want to know more about the ingredients, the products, where it's coming from, anything that the brand or restaurant or menu can tell me, I'm interested in that. And we continue to see that grow year after year. Um, and, and people are question, asking questions that they've never asked before and interested in, in learning more about where products are grown, where products are raised, how they made it to the table. Uh, farm to table was a big trend uh, recently, but it's gone beyond that. And, and people are really, really interested in, in learning more. Um, we, we saw that a lot of consumers only buy from companies and brands that they trust completely. Uh, they want to know more about supply chain. And for us on the culinary side, we're able to formulate uh, with closer to nature type ingredients to achieve those consumer preferred uh, flavors, colors, nutrients, things like that. So um, again, you know, with what we're able to do, what our portfolio offers, we're able to be very transparent, which I think is uh, a big part of why we've been successful over the last year. No conversations complete in 2020 without a little bit more specific discussion about <laughs> COVID. Um, right. were, were there any trends that you anticipated or were starting to influence industry or were starting to trend uh, that, that you see have been sidelined or delayed or, or maybe even otherwise forgotten uh, because mm-hmm. of COVID or, or not, not necessarily, you know, because of the impact of COVID to be more specific, was there yeah. anything that was on its right. way and is like, whoa, that's no longer. Yeah. I think a lot of those trends that, you know, maybe were put on the back burner, uh, was a direct directly impacted by, uh, consumers not being able to dine out as often. Um, so global trends and global cuisines and different ethnicities are always going to be part of our, you know, annual trend report. Um, but it's harder for consumers now to get those types of foods that they would typically need to go out to a restaurant and get. Um, but we're seeing a lot of these meal kit companies and semi-scratch cooking type options and products in retail come out that are definitely more uh, ethnically influenced and covering different regions around the globe. So consumers can still kind of, um, you know, eat a, a specific dish from India that they only had could go to a restaurant to get previously. Maybe there's an option to have that in meal kit form or uh, semi-scratch cooking form at home. Yeah, it is it- suggest there it's just it seems like there's just this broadening of the mind if you will is maybe one mm-hmm. way to to um to to set things one last question how, how are millennials affecting these and impacting uh these trends 
Yeah, that's a good question. I think uh, millennials, from what we've seen and some of our research has showed, you know, really loved eating out and and were very adventurous and curious and uh, tried a ton of different cuisines. But now, again, you know, some of that is limited and depending on the city you're in. But, uh, I, you know, I think I think there is a lot of uh, millennials tend to be more open minded and um, look to, to, to find something new and exciting in, in the food world. So uh, there, there's definitely impact there, continuing to, to try different products and um, you know, kind of force some of these larger companies in both retail and food service to expand menus and look at other options versus you know, what was standard over the last couple of years. So I, I definitely feel that there's an impact there. Yeah. If you're uh, nostalgic for the days of purely meat and potato, <laughs> which I know I grew mm-hmm. up on, uh, it, it, it's safe to say that, uh, you know, you may yeah. find yourself even almost difficult to just uh, find, let's call it what it is, blandness. Um, it is said, that's just what I recall growing up was just blandness, yeah, but right. we're, we're in a whole new world where um, you know, people are, their palates have expanded widely. Uh, and as you said, mm-hmm. all companies moving forward, it sounds like need to be looking at these trends, uh, and, and, and addressing these. And, you know, it's almost like the perfect product addresses, addresses each of these, right? Um, yep, exactly. it, it'll, it'll have properties and qualities to it that are related to nutrition, both in mind and in body. Uh, everything from, if I'm hearing this right, from the packaging, uh, to the to product itself mm-hmm. needs to have sustainability in mind. Uh, if you can address gut health within there, um, can probably right, infuse yeah. that in every in every single product. But uh, it sounds like you could expect everyone's pantry or um, or refrigerator or at least be addressing that a little bit. Uh, and then plant based foods continuing to be something that the public, I would say, probably first uh, tries right? And then becomes comfortable mm-hmm. with, and then it's likely to become the norm. Uh, and any brand uh, needs to account for transparency uh, moving forward. People just have too much information at their, their fingertips. Their That's radars right. are up. Um, it probably follows the lack of trust in all institutions right now, I would suggest uh, that, that any brand, whether new or old, uh, needs to address the way people, uh, what their expectations are moving forward as well. So I think the last question here is when do we get to hear about the 2021 trends? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. So we're always looking into the future, trying to figure out what's coming next. And uh, we think a lot of these will, will trickle into 2021. But um, you know, as we continue to glow, grow our global team and our footprint in this, in this space and some of these categories we talk to, you know that there are going to be some new trends popping up sooner than later. So uh, luckily, we've got a great insights team and marketing team that kind of help pull all of that together. And uh, sooner than later, I bet you we're already talking about 2022 trends. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I'll give you an opportunity here. Is there a way that folks can follow you? Uh, You know, you can always Google uh, John Stefani and ADM as well. but is there a way that folks can follow you so that they can, you know, hear everything that you're saying? Because beyond this, you're, you're, you're constantly putting out 
pieces or reports or speaking on everything from demands for different flavors that are out there as well. What's the best way that people can connect and follow with you? Yeah, so uh, a lot of what we're doing is coming directly from myself and the ADM team. So um, the best way is probably to reach out directly to us. Uh, my my email is my first name dot Stefanian last name at adm.com. and um, yeah, we're we're all over the place right now. Like you said, speaking engagements, things like that. Um, so that that's probably the best way to connect. Excellent. Well, we really appreciate you having you, having you on. Uh, you have a, a very research-based approach to this. Uh, so I would suggest that a- any brand should be uh, given a lot of attention to, you know, this level of expertise and insight. Uh, you're not just throwing darts at the wall here, but you're backing it up with, uh, with a lot of, I said, research and careful thoughts. So we really appreciate having you on today uh, and sharing that with us. And hopefully we'll have you on the future as well, because I know that you're, you're constantly putting reports out there. Yep, absolutely. Thanks, Scott. It was a pleasure. And uh, uh, yeah, looking forward to the next one. Awesome. Thank you again, John. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Shelf, presented by Chef's Best. If you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your episodes. For more details about all of our episodes from inside the ever-changing food and beverage industry, visit chefsbest.com.